0: Stupid! He comes across
1: in front of me every single time he
2: overtakes. Where
0: did he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking
2: zone. It's been a long time coming. We've been saying it for years, but the phrase has finally come to pass. We can finally say it. Genuinely, bird is most certainly the word. I well, everybody's head about the bird, b- b- bird. Bird,
0: bird, bird, the a winter, the bird, bird, bird's the Hello everybody, welcome to episode 95 of the Motorsport 101 podcast. I'm a friendly neighbour host, Mr Andre Harrison, and uh, yeah, King hijacked my intro and made it all, like, serious and stuff, clearly. Because we're a serious podcast when it comes to motorsport. We're not above, like, musical jokes in any way, shape or form. No, not not, not in slightest. But um, with me this week, sadly only a two-person booth this time round, but see... His 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 wit and his creative intros count for two people. It's Ryan King, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Yeah, yeah. Just like New York, I might as well just, you know, count for two. Oh,
0: for God's sake! <laughs> well played, King. Well played. You're, you're clearly you're clearly on a roll this week. You're clearly on a roll. But um, yeah. Uh, I'll get I'll get the pleasantries out of the way. Get rid of the general housekeeping. Basically, you can find us. We are on motorsport101.net. Mr. Ryan King here will have a whole heap of written content coming up in the coming days. So stay tuned for that one um, for our blog posts. And, of course, full playlists of both this show and Bike Live. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. There's a highlight video from last week's show now talking about the 2020 engines now up. Thanks, Quan, as always. Video um, edit on that one. Um, We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on twitter.com forward slash motorsport101. Actually, know, that's actually no, at Motorsport underscore 101, I should say. And uh, our personal Twitters, at Harrison101HD, and at Ryan Eric King. That's with 2Ks and a bunch of New York-related pictures. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> more on that in a minute. Um, but uh, on top of that, and of course, if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. And check it out. Remember, if you donate at the $5 level, you get early access to both this show and and to Bike Live, and if you haven't checked it out already, we actually somehow managed to squeeze a two-hour show out of last week's really boring World Superbike Weekend at Laguna Seca. Um, despite Chad Davis and Jonathan Ray splitting wins, we actually talked a whole heap of nonsense about mid-season reviews, and the big debate whether a Superbike should be going down the super stock road or not. So it's a, it's a fun time, me and Lewis side of it, and oh... Treat it like a Marvel movie. Stay right the way till the end. You'll, you'll, you'll be grateful you did. Um, so check that out as well. That's already up. Um, and yeah, for those that sent us messages about SoundCloud's up-and-coming up and future, don't worry. We are well aware. If SoundCloud are confident they're still going to be around, then so are we. But uh, thanks for the heads up. We are aware. We have half an iron alternatives just in case. But for now, yeah, we haven't got anything to worry about. Dot, dot, dot. Yet. Um, but the cool thing is, King, we have seen it, there's now the SoundCloud cap is now out on Xbox Live. Oh, hopefully that yeah. can breathe
2: a bit of life into SoundCloud.
0: Yeah, SoundCloud now has an Xbox One app, so you can actually listen to us while you game. How cool yes. is that? Including,
2: uh, <laughs> can I listen to myself while playing MotoGP 17?
0: Yes, yes you can. <laughs> So, you can have double the trouble as you roast yourself for your like your complete lack of ability. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I,
2: I am terrible at this game.
0: We'll, we'll keep a running diary on King's MotoGP 17 related progress. Uh, somehow, I don't think he wants to live stream this one. No. <laughs> Also, I'm a terrible person. Dirt 4 is still wrapped in plastic in the corner of my bedroom. Oh, my I'm... God. Chrissy, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've been really busy lately, okay? <laughs> Honestly. Like a stage is like three minutes long, Dre. <laughs> listen, listen. I have a life, King. It's a very busy one. (laughs) I'm really sorry, you guys. More on that soon, I promise. I promise. But uh, more of that and coming up as we get into keeping it 101. Like, how much on a godly scale is Roger Federer at now? Um, I'm pretty sure he's the new Swiss Superman. <laughs> he's only just gone on one Wimbledon for the eighth time. <laughs> the eighth time. He's, he's broken Sampras's record of seven. That's his 19th Grand Slam overall, if I'm not mistaken um so look forward to all the really corny like trying to craft letters into a number 19 on some merchandise in the coming weeks because that's what we do in sports now we take numerical achievements and bend them into words gotta get that money gotta get that merchandise money gotta get that merchandise money but um god like roger federer is just such a god he like he (laughs) it is ridiculous just like to be fair, he was bookies' favourite all the way through the tournament. Nobody really posed a threat. We we, we saw Novak get go down injured. Andy Murray w- was going into the tournament hurt with a bad hip, and he got knocked out by Sam Query. Um, like like so King, how much were you mocking the Brits when when your man's did one over the United Kingdom after doing one oh over Novak last God. year? Oh my
2: God, I got a query for Sam Query. It's like, did you really <laughs> think you were gonna be in a semi final when you rolled up in London? <laughs>
0: You were saving that one, weren't you?
2: Nah, that was like literally off the top of my head. You
0: <laughs> he really like he's on fire today. He like, he like, like 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 Ryan King is on the most epic Andy Zoltzman style pun run. It is, <laughs> it is amazing right now. But uh, yeah, Murray went down. Like our bookies all laughed at him pretty much. Like we like we we're not the biggest Andy Murray fans in the world, but I do love the fact that. Andy Murray is the guy that shuts down all sexism right at the pass. Oh, I
2: did love that interview, where it's like, (laughs) oh, how do you feel that Sam is the first American in a semifinal in almost a decade? And he's like, first American
0: man. (laughs) It's like, male player. And it's like, I beg your pardon? Male player. And he just looks completely unamused at him, like, like, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> did you forget that like, the Williams
2: sisters existed, or did you think like they transcended nationality or some shit?
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're so good they no longer belong to a state. <laughs> but like, it's, it's amazing. It's like it's not the first time this has happened to Andy Murray. It's like it happened after he won his second Olympic title as well. Where I was like, oh, you know, winning you know two Olympic gold medals that must be amazing. No one's ever done that, right? And he goes, like, have you forgotten about the Williams sisters? Yeah. So, I was like, I think they've got like four each or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like Andy Murray is the greatest Williams sister Stan I know, and I love him for it. So, like, I, I will always have a level of dap for Andy Murray for that because he will, he will cut out your sexes right here and now in front of everybody. You ruthless, bu- <laughs> like, I, I, like, I have to, I have to applaud him for that. But uh, unlucky Andy and uh, Marin Cilic, bless him, made the final. We all kind of knew what was coming here, didn't we? And uh, yeah. bless him, he was actually—I think—he think hurt himself at some point during that match as well. And he, he was crying on the sideline. One point was like he just knew the game was up, really, after I think after the second set. And like, I, I loved that interviewed Federer after he won King, and it was like he was deliberately throwing in more drop shots to try and work his injury. Federer is a is Federer is a cruel, cruel man. That is like us, that, that, that is us us like us.
2: wrestling levels of Matt psychology. It's like, oh, he's injured. There, it's like let me let me you know play into that and make it worse.
0: Yeah, let's make him run a little bit. Let's make him <laughs> run forward. It's like, oh no, uh, like that is brutal. Uh, like, it's like behind the, behind the smile, there is a cold blooded assassin behind Roger Federer. <laughs> I'm the smug smile, witty repartee, and brilliant use of emojis, there is a very cruel man. There, <laughs> uh, a very, very cruel man. But um, <laughs> congratulations to Roger. Like he is, like he's one of the very few athletes that is almost like completely unfallible, and you just can't say a bad word about him. He's just too cool. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just he's like King. He's, he's the Scott Dixon of tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Except without, you know, the wife part. No, not about The Salty Wife. Yeah, that definitely helps. Sorry, Andy. That one's on you. (laughs) Miss Parental Advisory t-shirt in the stands. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which is, by the way, still one of the all-time great gangster moves right there. (laughs) By the way, I I had to point that one out. But, um, (laughs) like, Federer's got the smile, the great big merchandise, the bajillion amount of endorsement deals he's got, like, two sets of twins... (laughs) <laughs> two sets of twins, which is just the most adorable thing ever. It's like, like I have one of my best mates is like a dad to a pair of twin girls, and it is the most adorable thing in the world. <laughs> He's got two sets of them. Like, come on, man! <laughs> Roger Federer is cheating at life. <laughs> like, also, you can tell I'm getting old now because I'm looking at other people's kids and going, "Oh, that's adorable." <laughs> I'm 25 and like literally a month today, I'm 25 years old, and it's just like, oh man, am I really doing this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yep, yep. I am now going. I'm now looking at other people's kids and going, oh <laughs> rather than going, ew, ew, kids. I don't want, I don't want anything to do with them because I might have them. That's scary. You know, you know what it is, King. It's like not only that, but I've also like my family's now got a cat. Oh, <laughs> you may have seen some of my Instagram pictures, or something like that. Like I've, I've, I've not been very vocal about it, but like we've got a cat in the house now. It's called Cookie. Um, Kendra, it's Kendra named my sister. My nine, my well, she's nine in two weeks' time. That's also terrifying. Um, so, um, yeah, she's nine. She's nine on the July thirty. For those guys that know my sister very well, the fact she's nine in a couple of weeks' time, God willing, is both a miracle and. Truly scary, <laughs> as an older brother.
2: It, it, it's a miracle for everyone. It's scary to just you.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that's that's. Oh, it's scary that only an older brother knows how. It's like it's only relatable to me. If everyone else is like, "Oh, she's adorable," and it's like you, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, yeah, like 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 getting a cat. And seeing, like, me, like, turning the big 2-5 next month is like, made me all soft in my old age now. It's like, I'm finding kids adorable. I'm finding Roger Federer adorable. I, I've got a strange feeling for, for Catherine Leg all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, all of a sudden, I'm eyeing up the mature women. <laughs> bit more, a bit more upper in the age range, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I really am getting old, King. It's terrible. But... Um, Shout out to Roger Federer, the man is still great. I mean, 35 and still winning. Like, he's won two Grand Slams this year. And he's 35. And he actually, like, um, openly like dropped half the tour events he was in to, t- to set himself up for this. And it's actually worked out perfectly. You're like, Roger Federer is terrifying to me. Yeah. Um, so, and you know what? Like, Roger Federer is one of those guys that is just so transcendent king. Like, no matter what part of the sports world you're in, you'll salute Roger Federer. It's, it's bonkers. Like, you see people from, like, all over sports, like, saying salute to Roger Federer. Like, I saw guys from the Paralympic Games that's going on right now, the Paralympic World Championships. going on. I saw London. Nico Rosberg. 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 Rosberg was there for the semis and the final, like, cause cheering him on. Cause he, fe- he felt like Roger him wanted for showing up for the last F1 race. So, like, Nico was like, yeah, it's my good luck, Charles, because he won me the title when, I, when he was there. And I was like, that's actually kind of cool. <laughs> Game-recognized game. Uh, <laughs> So that was cool like seeing that like Lewis Hamilton give it a nod and like seeing all these amazing athletes like props to Roger federer and i mean, yeah that dude is truly transcendent uh, it's, it's... I would
2: say he's like the Derek Jeter of tennis except you know a whole lot better performance wise so basically not
0: Derek Jeter <laughs> but just to Keith Alderman <laughs> <laughs> He basically spent the entire last year of his broadcasting career trying to put Cheetah down at every opportunity. Uh, hey, if you lived in New York at the time, I
2: would have done the same thing.
0: <laughs> but remember, King, you've got to have a retirement tour and a marketing campaign when he leaves. <laughs> why? Because American sports. That's why. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's a thing. Um, it's a, uh, also shout out to Garbin Muguruza, who won on the women's side her second Grand Slam obviously her second Wimbledon final and yeah like Garbin was so good in the, in the later rounds as well like she destroyed people in the in the in the in the clutch in those deeper rounds and uh, I didn't think she was gonna give Venus Williams the bagel treatment in that second set I was like oh boy. <laughs> Yep, okay, Garmin ain't playing. <laughs> like, Garmin ain't playing here. Oh, dear. And also, she's adorable. Like, she tweeted <laughs> Roger Federer. Did you, you see that? After Roger won his, she tweeted Roger, like, are you ready for our champion's dance? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> that's, that's adorable. It's like, that's adorable. See, see, I'm going soft. Uh, and I said that because Garmin's, like, I think two years younger than me. I think she's 23, and, which is just. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It's like, she's like the queen of like the new wave of star female tennis players. It's really annoying. It's like, it's like the older I get, it's like, I'm no longer the the young guy anymore. It's like all these breakout stars are coming through that are younger than me. It's terrible. But, so shout shout out to Garmin as well. She was amazing. Uh, Commiserations to Venus. I mean, the fact she's even made two Grand Slam finals at 37 is insane, um, in by today's standards. Um, so yeah, shout out to Venus. She's still obviously amazing. Like God bless the Williamses because they're just the queens of everything in my world. But um, that was fun. But again, uh, did you see Twitter blow up on Sunday after that men's final? Uh,
2: yes, because I was at the time. I was sitting in the grandstand in in Red Hook for the for the Epre. And Twitter, like, just blew up on my phone. Because I get, like, notifications, like, if, like, uh, a certain amount of followers, like,
1: yeah.
2: a, a certain amount of followers like stuff. And it was like, oh, uh, like, Andre Harrison and, like, 30 other people have liked this. And I'm like, what? What is
0: happening right now? And then you log on, because it's, here's the deal. Here's a, here's a backstory, right? Doctor Who's official Twitter page straight up said... With a, with a great big promo video and a key to a certain TARDIS disappearing into the distance, that they said, oh, yeah, the 13th Doctor will be announced after the Wimbledon men's final. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, because like, I remember when Capaldi got announced, they actually gave up half an hour of screen time during BBC One on primetime Saturday Night TV to announce the next Doctor. Like, So, in other words, in this country, for those guys that are in, like, the United States that might hear, like, BBC America adverts for Doctor Who... It's a huge deal here, like when they actually like giving up prime time TV stops like something out of LeBron James in the decision to to, to announce <laughs> to announce the next Doctor. So when it was Peter Capaldi, they had a great big like TV live show with like Peter Davidson on there and like other dudes that were all big hoovians talking about it, and then like Matt Smith saying his goodbye for the last time. I think he was still filming Terminator Genesis at the time. When it was happening. Because he, he was in that for a brief cameo and whatnot. But uh, yeah. They announced it after Wimbledon's men's final, And it's like, oh my god, a woman! <laughs> <laughs> and I think mean, that was everybody's reaction. Like, so yeah, shout out to Jodie Whittaker. And congratulations to her. She's been announced as the 13th Doctor. And of course, everyone on the internet suddenly went apeshit. Because it's been a long lingering sort of like point of discourse if you're a Doctor Who fan it's like it like the rumors because like, it happens this time like every time there's a new Doctor it's like is this one gonna be female is it gonna be Idris we <laughs> gonna, gonna have a black Doctor <laughs>
2: oh my like, god a- as much as I like Idris Elba Idris Elba would be like the worst Doctor ever
0: <laughs> L- listen King he, we got him in Lufa
2: that'll do yeah that, that's awesome <laughs>
0: Yeah, Luther is, is freaking fantastic, and that'll do just fine for me. But, um, yeah, like everyone said, like, oh, give it to Benedict Cumberbatch. And then I was like, listen, he turned the role down before Matt Smith got it. Like, he's got Sherlock, leave him alone. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Jodie Whitaker has been announced as the new doctor. And, like, as King pointed out, like it was like three different camps it was like the camp of people that didn't really care, the camp of people that were all for it. And the camp of people that really were not for it, basically. <laughs> and I was in the camp that was like somewhere between one and two. Was like, I was like, okay, that's a really good hire. I'm, I, I'm actually really in- intrigued about this and see where it will go. Because I'm going to be real with you here, folks. I missed pretty much all of Series 10. Like I've dropped off oh, the wagon. I'm in two. the
2: same camp. I'm in the camp where it's like, I don't really care about Doctor Who anymore.
0: And we and and this is coming from two guys that were both massive Hoovians a few years ago. Like I sat through pretty much all of the Matt Smith era, even though like that was when Moffat was starting to churn out really bad series. Like not really bad, but just stuff that like Matt Smith you could tell had to work really hard to save some bad scripts, basically, and just like inconsequential stuff kidding off the Pond family still hurt my soul, because I still love Karen Gillan and Arthur Darville very much, but hey it's not to see Arthur Darville wanting to get out of being the being the Doctor Who guy, so what does he do? Ends up playing the Time Lord on, on, Legend, on Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, he
2: basically is playing a Doctor on a, like, a DC superhero show.
0: I've always, I always found that irony sort of funny, because he was like I'm Shakespearean trained, it's like I don't want to be known for being the Doctor Who guy, and I'm like So what are you doing now? Yeah, I'm on DC Legend tomorrow. What are you playing? A time traveler? Oh. But I mean, like, really? Saying that you're Shakespearean trade,
2: like, means nothing. So is, like, Patrick Stewart.
0: Don't you be be bringing Patrick Stewart into this. But it's
2: like saying that. It's like, I want to do so much more than just play the Doctor. It's like, I'm pretty sure Patrick Stewart wants to be known more. Like, wants to be... No more than just being, you know, you know, Captain Picard and and Charles Xavier.
0: Listen, man. Patrick Stewart embraces all of this shit. Because Patrick yes. Stewart is a god. <laughs> we don't mess with Patrick Stewart. Do you understand? <laughs> but, um, I mean, for me personally, like, I think it's a really good hire. I've seen Whitaker and other stuff. I think she's a really great actress. And so... I'm all for it. I'm really curious to see how she's going to be interpreted. The issue I have is that, like, I'm not the most keen of Chris Chibnall being showrunner. And for those guys that don't know the Doctor Who fandom, like, Stephen Moffat has been head showrunner since Series 5, I want to say? I think, I'm pretty sure it was 5. That was the Matt Smith era. Moffat's been head showrunner ever since, and his scripts slowly declined around Series 6 sort of time. I mean, then, that
2: that's going to be the general thing. You're going to run out of ideas.
0: Yes, and everybody was kind of calling for Moffat's head by the end of Series 9, and then we found out earlier this year that, oh yeah, Moffat is stepping down and Chris Chibnall will be taking over as head showrunner. Um, for series 11 now, basically, so, this, so the next series you're going to see next year will be um, the first series that Chibnall will be head showrunner in. The problem is, is that like I was not a big fan of some of Chibnall's episodes he actually wrote when he was just a Doctor Who episode writer. Like most of them were pretty like mediocre at best. Like The Power of Three was okay and. Like, the problem is is that I, 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 I've got scars here. You know what the scars are from? <laughs> what? Be- because he wrote pretty much all of the first two series of Torchwood.
2: Oh. Oh. Like, yeah. Torchwood didn't have the best of starts.
0: Really? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you mean the Cyberwoman scene and all that? Uh, where Ugh. basically he falls in love with a robot? And episode two, where a robot kills you by having sex with them? It's like. Like guys, we're fifteen rated now. <laughs> let's have a, let's have a, let's have an alien that screws people to death. Like that was
2: like in the whole era of let's make things dark and gritty. And it's like, how can we make Doctor Who darker and grittier?
0: By basically turning it in, by basically turning it into serious. We're taking this way too seriously, Scooby Doo, basically. <laughs> Complete with mystery machine in the form of those really obnoxious black rage rovers with the police lights on them. <laughs> Because um, Although, I will say this If you're going to watch Torchwood Just get to Children of Earth And bust like <laughs> buy the Blu-ray Because that five-parter is phenomenal Like, it's so phenomenal I want to slap Russell Davidson and go Why couldn't you have made all of it this good <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure the only
2: reason I stuck around that far Because it's like
0: John Barrowman's just badass <laughs> Oh, John Barrowman is amazing <laughs> But uh, Children of Earth That, that five-part special go buy it on Blu-ray, and then thank me later. It's got, it's got a certain doctor in it as well. <laughs> just, just saying. So, you know. But, um, yeah. Uh, God. Like, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Whittaker hire, I have to say. I'm, like, I think people are pointing their frustration in the wrong areas. It's like, yeah, I have to admit, even my own brother was like, you shouldn't mess with tradition, and I'm like, what tradition? Tra- yeah, like, What tradition? <laughs> Where did it say in the rule book that the Doctor has to be played by a man? <laughs> like, I love that there is a scene from this past series of Series 10 where it goes, where like... Like, Bill, who's obviously played by Pearl Mackey, the latest companion, goes... So there's not really a whole, like, rule about men and women with the whole Time Lords thing. And he goes... And Capaldi goes in response, like... The, G- the Gaddafranes are, like, the most civilised, civilised universe out there. Like we are millions of years evolved beyond petty, human associations of gender and its stereotypes. And I'm like, <laughs> that's in the actual show. <laughs> and that's from this series. And people are like, oh no, we can't, like, we, we can't have a woman. Why? Because mm, change is bad, yo. Change, change is, is bad. Is, change is and bad. And do
2: we, do we need to also phrase that the doctor is an alien, not a human, an, an alien.
0: alien <laughs> with two hearts. Because, you know, apparently we have set rules in fiction sci-fi now. Who knew? Um, <laughs> and it's like, somebody said to me, well, like, Ryan's was like, what if James Bond was woman? And I'm like, Ryan, that's not the same thing. Not even close. Uh, so, yeah, I'm all for it. The internet needs to stop being so bloody mad at everything. And I'm going to say, I love the fact that... Uh, that pretty much everyone that, like, that used to be on the show was, like, wholeheartedly supporting this move. Like, like there was, like, a dream team of former Doctor Who guys on there. Barrowman, uh, Billy Piper, Freema Agyeman, who plays uh, Martha Jones, who, brackets, is um, seriously freaking stunning in, in Sensei. Just throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> But <clears throat> uh, <laughs> those guys that know what I'm talking about, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Arthur Darville and, you know, Peter Davison, Colin Bake, obviously two former Doctors themselves, who were quick to point out that in its early days, the first ever producer of Doctor Who was a woman, and one of its earlier directors was a gay Asian man, because, you know, progression and all that, and... The talk about forced diversity. That was the problem I had about this, King. It was like people were saying this move felt forced. And I'm like, my response would have been... Well, what could it have done to make it not seem, quote-unquote, forced? What, the show has to be doing better for it to not be considered a forced move? (laughs) Is that it? Because if that's the case, you should be pointing out how bad the writing's been recently as opposed to being mad at a female casting job. (laughs) At least least, least that's what I think, anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... Shout out to Jodie Whitaker, all the best to her. I hope she smashes it, which she probably will, which is really freaking good. Um Here's hoping it all turns out great. Um but yeah. Here's hoping that all turns out already. So King, should we talk about New York?
2: Um, how about let's talk about a game that you probably played already that I just picked up. Go on. Then. Yes, I just picked up MotoGP. MotoGP 17. It just came out in the US like a week ago.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> Dre, Drake, can you can you mention when it came out in the UK? Pretty sure it was uh, like the middle of June, like 6 weeks ago I think or something like that. about 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 a month ago it came out in the UK. First Friday in June I'm pretty sure.
2: Yeah, it was yeah, it was around then. And playing it so far, it's a good game. It's a good game, challenging,
0: but good game. What, 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 what was that word there, King? Challenging. What? One more time. Challenging. And why? And why is it so challenging, King? Okay, because I'm trash at the game. Is that what you want to hear, Trey? No, no, no. Please tell me about this more. I'm, I'm all, I'm all for it. I'm all for diversity and sharing. You know, sharing is caring, and all that, right? <laughs>
2: Well, let's just say I did not have the nicest of starts during the, the second race in the career mode, which is you're placing Red Bull uh, Rookies Cup for the last two rounds of the season. And the second race happens at uh, Aragon. Mm. And it was a wet qualifying session, and I ended up qualifying dead last. We're off to a good start, yo. Though I should mention... I did win pole in my first Moto3 race, so I'm getting better.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Slowly, slowly but surely. Yeah, slowly
2: but surely. But my, my failings aside, the game seems to be very solid edition. I like there's a ton of content. Like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to sift through all this content.
0: <laughs> Hashtag content. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of those games where it's like, Milestone definitely stacked the deck. Um, really, really high on this one. Um, the Rider career and the new Managerial career mode, which is massive, and actually pretty deep as it goes. Yeah, I
2: haven't Um, even touched Managerial career yet.
0: It's deep. Or as they say on the internet, it's thick. Oh my Um, god. with, with, With two season spaces in between. Um. So that's fun, but uh, yeah, I've I've dabbled with it a little bit. I'm still focusing more on my rider career right now. I've got too many games right now. That's my problem. Because I've got MotoGP seventeen. I mentioned earlier the Dirt Forster and the Plastic, and I actually picked up GTA Five on Amazon Prime Day on Friday. So I'm late to that wagon. But uh, why why are you picking
2: up GTA Five for Dre? It's racing season time. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, listen, I'm suffering from racing blowout. I need I need to you know, divert some attention by shooting people in the head and running up hospital bills.
2: Oh, my God. That's
0: right. That's, um, you know, gotta, gotta, gotta embrace the uh, the, uh, maverick life, so to <laughs> the maverick in my life. Yeah, the maverick in my life. Now, just uh, me on a Ducati tearing stuff up. In about three years' time when you finally make MotoGP's main season. <laughs> It's like, what do you mean it took you 188 races to get the reputation points acquired? I'm a slow learner. I'm Johan Zarko, bruh. Yeah, I got the MotoGP eventually. Yeah, I stole the show in a Tech 3 AMR, you know. It is what it is. We'll keep you progressed on Ryan King's MotoGP 17 progression as time goes on, but yeah, seriously, it is a very very good game, and I highly recommend you check it out. It's playing at 60 frames. It hasn't got uh, any of the usual milestone glitches still a bit on the average side graphically but a very very well put together game this time, I'm having a lot of fun with it. it's a better hand in a model than a Valentino Rossidi megalomaniac from last <laughs> year basically so um, I'm definitely liking it more than last year's game and uh, it might be the best MotoGP game milestones to put together top to bottom so far so uh, I highly recommend you check it out, It's it's a very nice overall package If you ask me, I I talked about it a little bit more. I think on Bike Live a couple of weeks ago. But um, if you want to go back and find my more extensive thoughts, but uh, it's uh, definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of that. Um, Speaking of fans of stuff and King, basically getting on the subway train. Let's talk about formulary in New York City. King. The bird was the word, and for the first time in the history of New York motorsports, Sam Bird.
2: <laughs> oh my god. Uh, like, I-, I predicted it last week, and it happened, and it happened everywhere. From the official broadcast to even Virgin themselves have said that Sam bird won the first ever car race in New York City. Uh, we're just gonna ignore that fact I talked about that last week We don't need to go back into that like, Into that into that rant fest
0: <laughs> uh, like, like, After all of that rant in the king of his chest It still happened in plentiful supply You poor, poor thing but Besides, besides um, everybody's very, very poor sense of research Into motorsport history in New York you were actually there for this weekend, so because yes. uh, obviously you are a a new, a new Yorker, of course, born and raised. So obviously you got over there on the subway. How was it? How did you find the weekend experience overall?
2: Uh, the experience, the racing was fantastic. Uh, the the seats, the like the grandstands everywhere had great views. Like I sat in the the long grandstand on the on the starting straight. And I had a view of the last corner, turn 10, which is the fastest corner on the calendar. And uh, f- the first turn, which was a hairpin. And then uh, turn two, which is, you know, the left-hander that goes into, like, 180-degree uh, turn three.
0: Yes. So you got plenty of views in. and uh, so, how, so how did you find the racing itself when you're actually there in person? Racing...
2: That track produced racing far better than it should have, looking at it on paper.
0: <laughs> well, you say racing, I say bumper cars, personally. Bumper cars. You know, six of one, half dozen of the other, and all that.
2: I think it produced a very uh, Supercross-style race, like, you know, yes. the, uh, where pretty much uh, you have to get your passing done into the hairpins. You pretty much put, put your car in a position where the other guy can't take the corner.
0: Yep. So you know, again, so you had yeah, you good views. It was a narrow track and whatnot. Um, did you have a favorite visual scene of what you saw when you were out there for those t- for those two races? Oh God,
2: probably what got like the biggest pop from the crowd was when Rosenquest lost it and spun out in t- in race one.
0: Oh no, not f- yeah. I did see that in the highlight reel footage of just like. Degrassi may or may have given Felix a little love tap into, into the corner, and then Felix just goes around. It's like, it's a big spin! Like, Felix goes all Damn. the way over. And if you watch the world feed, it's, it happens when you, you get the on-board of Lucas's front wing as it's happening. <laughs> and it's just like, whoa! <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. But, um, bless him. I feel, I feel bad for Felix. He was one of the fastest dudes pretty much all weekend long. And uh, just not very much to show for it at all in the end. Poor Poor Felix, but hey, like uh, more on him later. Like there is some good news regarding Felix. If you haven't heard it already. Um, stay tuned. He might be heading to America for a bit. You'll see why later on in the podcast. But um, King, I heard though on the on the other side, logistically there were some
2: problems. There were a lot of problems, like Sound most off. notably uh, when the race ended. Like there was pretty much impossible to leave.
0: Now, how did they pull
2: that one off? Because re- there's not really any public transport in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Oh. So, to leave, like, to leave, they organize like, uh, shuttle buses. So, there's okay. a shuttle bus to the Barclays Center, which uh, is the home of the Brooklyn Nets. And, Oof. like, there's a, you know, the big, there's a big subway station there. They have, like, yes. I think about eight eight or so lines run in and out of there. So, pretty much... Anyone could get to the Barclays Center, so that was get it going to the race. That was perfect. It was like there's always a bus waiting for you, and you're always gonna get a seat on the on the shuttle bus to you know go back and forth. Yes. Leaving, having everyone crowd for like they didn't really have enough buses. I think they had about six buses in total, which right. holds 40 people
0: each. Oh no 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 no! That's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. If you if you and, need a lot more than six to make that work. And it also
2: noted that both days were sellouts. But like that was probably oh. a surprise to everyone that both days sold out,
0: despite the exorbitant prices.
2: Yeah, I think it was due to mainly due to a lack of seating.
0: Right, so it was all just like general admission, like standing room, basically. Oh, there
2: no, there was no general. There were no general admission tickets.
0: Oh, okay. I, I, I didn't quite know how it worked out, but was there any idea how much the attendance was for the two weekends? Uh,
2: I'd probably say based on how high the seating numbers went. Actually, let me do a quick calculation because I, I was sitting like near the end of the, the first grandstand, which was like almost the only grandstand, and it was the largest grandstand there by far. It ran down the entire front straight and right. I sat down near the end, and the numbers go from 1 to, I think, about 300. And
0: Here, here comes King the Number Cruncher here, folks. Talk amongst yourselves, people. Like, yes, uh,
2: yes, I'll be there in a minute. I would estimate... Talk amongst was... yourselves.
0: This is the part where the countdown clock starts ticking. Say about...
2: I'd estimate... It was about maybe eight to ten thousand people there.
0: That's actually a bit more than I thought it was going to be. Eight to ten k is actually not a bad turnout for a first time event in New York in the outskirts, so to speak. But um, then, so you're talking eight to ten thousand people leaving at once when the shuttle bus system could only take two hundred and forty people at a time.
2: Yeah. And pretty much, the shuttle buses, and I think you could take a, a couple ferries that were leaving from the, the cruise ship terminal. Besides that, there were no other ways to like get in or out, because there's like no parking garages, so if you drove there, which, bless her soul, Sarah Connors somehow found a parking spot. Jesus.
0: how did you pull that one off?
2: <sighs> uh, cause she was, like, she was probably a, in the group of, you know, the first people in and out each day.
0: It helps <laughs> yeah.
2: Like, uh well, Part of the reason why it was so easy to get in or out Because uh, The gates open at like 7am But like why? day one The race didn't happen until like about 4 in the afternoon So a lot of people didn't want to show up for practice Or qualifying They only showed up for the race So like you never got too many people Coming in or out at once Until the end
0: What do you mean nobody went to the Andretti garage tour?
2: (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean no one to see Chris Hemsworth almost wreck a
0: car? (laughs) Four got to drive a Formula E car and he spun it with style. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, whoa. James Hunt. (laughs) Oh, of course, James Hunt. Yeah, of course, of course. Known for other roles too. The the one that is uh, Chris Hemsworth. But um, any other logistical problems there, King? Besides the bottleneck of not being able to get out in time
2: (laughs) uh I'd say nothing in particular that was you know too large like like uh the autograph line was probably horrendous because uh the way they set it up was uh the autograph line was for pretty much every driver so there was only one there was only one line so one line to see everybody yeah it it was yeah it was great on paper but like The line was forever long, like it stretched out of the e-village.
0: Imagine like lining up for two hours just to get Tom Dillman's autograph. Oh people,
2: well like you you go down like a a row of tables with all the drivers so you you literally get everyone's autograph.
0: Well that's actually pretty neat to be fair because you've got to wait like 14 hours to to make it happen. (laughs) Problem uh, was autograph session was only half an hour long. Oh come on now! So people waited <laughs> online,
2: and then sessions over, they got you get nothing.
0: That's some bullshit.
2: <laughs> that, yeah.
0: Oh dear. Uh, that that's pretty brutal. So King, no, no time for autographs?
2: No, I'd say on the positive side of organizing, there was like because it's in a city, they offered a free re-entry, so you could come and go as you please. So if you want to go to like a rest, like an outside restaurant during the break between sessions, you could.
0: Okay, that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat, definitely. the, the security shoving you down the grandstand yet? No. <laughs> uh, no. Well,
2: other gripe: podium wasn't open to the public.
0: Oh come on! <laughs> because
2: they they wanted to be by the water, and there wasn't a lot of space, so they pretty much you had to be like in the the e-motion club, which is basically their paddock club, uh, or a
0: member of the media. That is some horse manure. What do you mean we couldn't get media accreditation to this king? Do they know who we are? <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> oh dear. But uh, overall, good good time, king.
2: Yeah, good time. Good time. Like uh, I saw the deputy mayor. Mayor, he said he was. It was going to be. Uh, they signed a ten-year deal. So like. Wow. Yeah.
0: Ten, Jesus. Nice. Uh, so yeah, New York's going to be a, a staple part of the calendar for, for years to come, by the looks of it. So yeah, good for you. Yeah, New York. don't don't
2: screw this up, Formula E. Don't screw this up.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> everybody seems to really like the fact. Oh yeah, we got a, we got a race in. Yeah, we got a race in in New York. It's great. Yeah, I loved some of the views that you can see like like the New York skyline in the background. Some of that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, there's, so there's a lot that was really cool. So yeah, props to Formula E for making it happen. It to be putting off a pretty good weekend, by the sounds of it. And uh. How blathered did you get with corners afterwards?
2: Uh, not that much. Because, uh, like, it was extremely <laughs> hot outside. I was I was not having any of that. She had to drive home to Boston.
0: Yeah, I, I, from what she told me, that's a four-hour drive. Yeah, it's
2: a, it's four hours.
0: Oof. We're coming here for drinks, y'all. Uh, drinks really. of water. <laughs> drinks of water and maybe a Coke. Uh, <laughs> Oh dear, but should we talk about the race in itself, King?
2: Yes, the race in itself. Oh dear, I'm pretty sure you could give everyone a rundown, because you probably got a better idea of what went down than I did.
0: Well, roughly, because I didn't get to see to see it a lot, I had to watch some of the highlights dotted around YouTube and whatnot, but uh, Sam Bird wins, lol. Uh, basically, it was the story of the weekend. Um, King, do you know why race one was like six laps shorter than race two? Uh, that's a thing
2: that they've been doing for the double-headers. Like, I know they did it for right. Berlin. Yeah.
0: So the second race is longer just to make it slightly more interesting.
2: Yeah, so basically, it strategies would play out differently. So you wouldn't get a carbon copy of what happened in race one. Unless you're, you know...
0: Unless <laughs> you're Felix, in which case, Sonic, the team's just going to unsafely release your car in Berlin. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like... the. Like the world feed wasn't particularly great, if I'm being honest. I was like, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Martin Haven as a commentator. Never really have been. So that was. Yeah. Well, they they, they brought in Bob Varsha for race two, so that was pretty fun.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, track side, we had different commentary. We had uh Greg Creamer, who normally does uh the the commentary for sports cars here in the states. Right. And doing color alongside, and we got Catherine Leg. Hey! <laughs> yes. I,
0: I, I, I saw that on Twitter, and I just, it was just like, I was just like, "Oh, Catherine legs here, cool." But um, yeah, let's cut to the let's cut to the chase. Sam Bird won both races in pretty convincing fashion, and DS Virgin Racing looked very good pretty much all weekend long. And we talked about it on, on the Saturday, given that uh, Alex Lynn, who was obviously fitted in for Pachito um, uh, himself. Uh, he filled in, obviously, for the weekend, and put it on pole position in his first ever Formula e weekend. So, uh, props to Alex Lynn. Uh, that was a real cool surprise there, qualifying on, on pole just ahead. I might a whole quarter of a second ahead of Daniel Apt and John Eric Verne. Um, just very, very strong in E for, for his first ever. Session. He was fourth as well in the second one, so it really wasn't a fluke by any measure. He was in the top five. Yeah, like I, I, I
2: don't remember if I'm remembering this clearly, but pretty... Alex Landon is looking to get a full-time race seat somewhere next year. And, mm-hmm. like, he really wants to be in the series, which is, like, a first for, like, anyone. Like, I, I mean a first, and, like, he, he practiced on a simulator before he even had, like, the chance to, like, even race this weekend. And it, pretty much he's, you know, going all in on Formula E. That this, he wants this to be, you know, where his future is.
0: Wow, that's that's some dedication. I didn't know Alex Zinn really wanted wanted it that bad. Is, is like his is his options just like completely spent now. Like that's almost I a mean, sad he in a c- sense,
2: but. I mean, he could always go to, you know, the World Endurance Championship and other series as such, but I mean, it feels like he he wants to be in Formula E.
0: Well, more power to him. Cuz Formula E could probably do with more guys like that. Um it's never struck me as the sort of series where people are going to be lighting up to try and get into it. But, you know, the guys that are there, you know, make, make good names for themselves, so... I mean, like, Bwemi wants to be here, too. <laughs> yeah, like, Bremi was trying everything to get this to get to drive this weekend, and Toyota was like, nope, 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 basically. Um, I don't know how much of that is down to Bwemi wanting to be there, how much of that is down to Bwemi... Um, just not wanting to lose a championship to Lucas Degrassi, who didn't have the best of weekends, if we're being honest, but you know.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty well. sure I'm going to add in what happened at the six hours later in the episode, but let's just say Bwemi's title hopes in both series are looking, you know, bit, a bit bleaker.
0: Oof. A, b- a, b- a bit more narrow, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah, more on that soon. But, uh, yeah, like Bird taking race one. And, you know, shout out to T Cheetah. They've been knocking on the door for a little while now in Formula E as well. And look at that race one result. Both dudes on the podium. John Eric Vern in second, who, I think, is still looking for that elusive first um, Formula E win because he's been up there with the best of them in terms of pace pretty much since he made his debut in the first series.
2: Yeah, uh, and that was probably like the weirdest thing to me a Formula E podium without one of the apt. Or Edam's cars.
0: But King, they had the fan boost and everything.
2: <laughs> they had the fan boost and everything. And they couldn't get the job done. I, I'm, Like, we know why none of the Apt cars are on the podium.
0: Yeah, Lucas didn't have the best qualifier. He had to dig his way up the field, eventually finishing in fourth. With a little bit of a helping hand due to Daniel Apt's car dying on the final lap of race one. And its, it's it was like... King, we had like Daniel Lap sitting on the sideline, going full Maddie Brabham, yep. just dejected uh, on the side, just knowing he was this close to a podium. I think he's only had one of them in Formula E so far, since, and he's been one of the guys I think that's been there from the very start. Yeah, uh, it's, it's
2: it's been him, it, it's been him there since, from the beginning, and like looking in, it it seems
0: like he's always been at the the other guy at at the App team. Course, with Lucas being one of the pound for pound heavyweights in Formula E, and Apt's always kind of played second fiddle to that for the most part. And Apt was looking good for a podium, but on the last lap in the final hairpin, the car just dies on him. I think it was some sort of battery issue that caused it. And uh yeah, apparently, when he was interviewed about it afterwards, he said he felt like shit and afterwards, which you yeah. know, Don't can't say I <laughs> s- s- uh, blame him to be honest with you, uh, not in the slightest. Uh, Poor Daniel that. Poor one out for him. After all those bot buys as well. Jeez. Nah. Just for <laughs> real. <brutal. But, laughs> I just saw the other days. Like when, when when they announced the winners for race two. And it said Lucas Degrassi. And it said he's now had the fan boost on 17 different races. Oh my God. 17. Like Formula E's only had about 28 of them. And then Lucas has been number one in fan boost for 17 of them that's just bonkers I'm surprised I haven't been disqualified yet because you know it's the app team after all yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah that's just not ideal for, for for the app team at all like Lucas you know just could have had a bit more really but uh, just just not the best weekend for him a weekend where he was obviously trying very hard to do as much as a, of, of a damaging dent in Bwemi's championship lead as possible and uh, just not really not really maximizing what he had because he just wasn't that strong in qualifying. And the track was difficult to pass around. I mean, race two, he finished 23 seconds behind the winner, which just kind of said it all, really. Um, just not really competitive this weekend. And Pierre Gasly was actually pretty impressive as well, King, especially in race two, where he picked up a fourth-place finish. Yeah, just. like,
2: just barely. He did. <laughs> Like, he was desperate to get on that podium in his first Formula E weekend to prove, you know, he is the real deal. He he showed it, but he wanted more. And the last corner, something happens, and his car just hit, runs into the outside wall, and then back into the inside wall.
0: Luckily, he'd already crossed the finish line by this point, and it, it was all for naught, because he finished three hundredths of a second behind Heinfeld going over the line. Um, but... Gosh, just just unlucky stuff from Gasly, but it's still a very solid first weekend in Formula E for, for Pierre Gasly, and you know he's done a, he did a very solid job, at least in my opinion, filling in um, for Sebastian Wemy, which is always going to be almost impossible shoes to fill given how good Wemy is in yeah. Formula E um, as, as it is. But uh, yeah, quick rundown of, of both races as a result: Sam Bird winning race one by one point three seconds over John Eric Fern, Stefan Sarrazan. In third, ahead of Lucas Degrassi. And Luke Deval good result from him for the Faraday Future Dragon team that's been struggling pretty much all season long. Fifth from him, Oliver Turvey in sixth. Gasly seventh in race one, ahead of Nicolas Prost. Robin Frins, who scores Andretti's first points of the season. Oh, my God. Believe it or not, that, that is the first points that, uh, that Andretti has scored all season long in formula where so he's will be delighted with that. And Adam Carroll rounding off the points in the top ten for race one um in race two sandbird in by a much more comprehensive 11.3 seconds which might be one of the biggest formatory e wins i've seen to date um yeah i
2: think like the style of racing definitely you know led to that where <laughs> usually for the most part you had if you if you weren't racing anyone you were going to be a lot faster because the only way to pass is to block pass and that
0: is certainly not the quickest way to get around corners yeah, um you can see like the final lap times on my screen. Like you see like the fastest lap of race is 105 and like some guys are doing 110s on the final lap because of how much of the block passing and defensive driving and just the wars that they were in in general really. Uh, but yeah, Sambo winning race 2 by 11.3 seconds over Felix Rosenfest in second for Mahindra. Again, great weekend from Felix again. Just a real shame that uh, he is he, he missed out on other in other places because In an alternative universe, Felix would have won the last four races. Yeah, he was the fastest guy all weekend. Yeah, he was on fire this weekend. He has been on fire for a while, Felix, just not really got the results to show for it, which is a shame because, yeah, he's had a win in a couple of second places, but it easily could have been so much more for Felix um, on a different day. Um, Nick Heinfeld in third, who, as we mentioned, narrowly pipped Gasly over the line for the last podium, spot by three hundredths of a second as Gasly paid pinball um, on the final stretch. Lucas Degrassi in fifth, Nicholas Prost in sixth, Billman in seventh, so good, good job for him on the Venturi car. Vernon in eighth, Frins again in ninth, so two ninth places for Andretti in the end. Points all round! Um uh, yeah. Break out the Champers in the Andretti camp. They finally got some points. And Jerome D'Ambrosio rounding off the points in 10th for Faraday Future. Um, Yeah, only 11 guys on the racing lap over the line, which is interesting to say the least. Again, scrappy stuff pretty much all season long. So, as you're probably wondering, what does that do for the championship standings? Well, Bwemi, as we know, missed, missed this weekend amazingly and you'll be shocked to hear he's still championship leader despite missing <laughs> basi- despite basically missing like two rounds and he's, he's, got, he's got his donuts for three of the last four rounds and he's still championship leader he has a 10 point lead going into the final weekend at Montreal coming up in a fortnight's time um, he's on 157 points ahead of Lucas Degrassi. who's he's reeled him in a bit but not as much as he probably would have liked um, 147 points in second now for Lucas Degrassi. In the battle for third, it's now looking like a fight between Felix in third on 104 for Mahindra and Sam Bird, who's double victory in 53 points on the weekend because he had a pole in race two. So it's t- another three points for that. Um, so Bird with 53 points for the weekend, giving himself up to a nice round 100 points, putting him now in fourth place. Nicholas Prost with 84. Heinfeld with 78. Verne with 74. Lopez, who didn't race this weekend, still in there with 50. Daniel Lap, just had a miserable weekend. One point to his name after basically DNFs in both races. But he did get fastest lap in race two, so he got a point for that. A token point with 47. And Nelson Piquet Jr., who, by the way, has now not scored in his last four races. Um, is still in the top 10 with 33 points. He's dining on that on, on, on that uh, one top five finish he had earlier in the season, bless him. But, yeah. um, so, gang, do you think Wemi holds on to it in the final weekend that Montreal coming up? Oh, it's going to be hard. Like, I think at the end of the weekend, Greg Creamer
2: said uh, pretty much no matter what happens, it's going to be, you know, a spectacular ride to the championship because... The championship is either going to be won by a driver who desperately tried to, you know, be here, but missed two rounds of the championship, or the guy who somehow clawed back from being so far down to to win this, to, to come back and win the championship.
0: Or in other words, because Audi collapsed, Lucas might win a championship. Yeah. <laughs> Ho- hooray! Uh, who the fuck funk it? Um... Uh, so, King, like, what did you make about the uh, WEC race in the 6 hours? I, know I I haven't watched it and much too much, much mind to it, but did, but did Wemi have a... Uh, did he at least have a good day in, in, in the, at the Nürburgring to make up for not being in New York? No.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm more. just going to be outright and say it. No. Like, there was a Team Orders controversy. Oh, tell us more. Essentially... I believe it was like in the last it it was in the closing stages of the race where both Porsches were comfortably ahead of of their you know of their rivals uh, Toyota and pretty much um, they told their lead car to you know they they pitted their lead car longer than they should have they waited like 20 extra seconds so, oh. that the car in second place, the car that won Le Mans, would also win the six hours at the Nürburgring. What? Now, why would Porsche do that? To solidify their hold on the championship. <sighs> oh, dear. <laughs> like, Boemi's car, like him, Boemi, Anthony Davidson, and Nakajima, they finished fourth overall on the day.
0: Yikes, that's not good. Yeah, that's fourth out of five cars. <laughs> Yeah, not great. Um, so you combine that with basically Porsche basically playing team orders so their lead car gains an extra seven points. Um, and, and we all know like these points are even more viable given there's only, I think, seven or eight rounds on the WEC calendar every year. Yeah, that's not good.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Uh, let me see if I can pull up the current point standings. Right now, okay. Yeah, the lead car of, of uh, Timo Bernard, Earl Bamber, and Brendan Hartley are sitting first place in the championship at 108 points. Uh, Davidson, Bwemi, and Nakajima, they're in second place on
0: 78 points. Oh, that's a little god's at a 30 off. So they're, they're, they're a whole race weekend behind now.
2: Yeah, they're a whole win behind with
0: five rounds to go. That's gonna be some effort from Toyota to get that one back. Um that's gonna be interesting to see how that one plays out. So yeah, overall pretty shitty weekend for Sebastian Bemi really. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rather dear. be in New York. <laughs> It's, it's amazing though like it just it, it, its I feel a bit bad for the WEC having their race weekend near because it was like fourth in the pecking order because no, like they had a team orders controversy and no one talked about it on Twitter at like all. I'm pretty sure like
2: on our original set list for today we didn't even have we didn't even mention it
0: no we didn't believe it or not um you mean me no the reason, like
2: the only reason
0: <laughs> we mentioned it because Bwemi was involved. To be fair, that was you. <laughs> yeah, that was all you. In all fairness, like, I'm, I'm taking no credit for this. Um, I'm being honest with you guys. Uh, I take no credit for this one. This was this. Is, this is all on King, uh, basically. But uh, yeah, King wins. Lol. Uh, basically. So yeah, not a good weekend for Boemi, but a good weekend for Formula E, especially if your name is Lucas or Sam, for that matter. Definitely but, uh, Sam. Definitely, definitely Sam. Sam. Because the bird was most definitely the word on this occasion. Shout out to Nicky Shields for stealing his champagne. Was very, that was a very impressive steal job there. Um, although, shout out—I was mentioned. Nicky Shields is cool as shit. So um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just, just throwing that out there in general. She's a badass. Next, <laughs> but sorry. as my mic falls off my bed, that's not a good sign. Uh, Let's <laughs> pull that one back up there. Real professional, me. Um, as you do. But uh, yeah, shall we get into the Formula One King?
2: Yes, we shall get into the British Grand Prix.
0: Sadly, we have to go there because it's like we have to kind of talk about it at some point. But the thing is, there really wasn't all that much to talk about anyway. So shall we talk about Lewis Hamilton for a bit?
2: Hamilton Oh dude I like it was a drive. It was most certainly a
0: drive. A drive with no competition whatsoever to speak of. It was a complete curb stomping from Lewis. Let's like let's be real with each other here. To be fair, if there is one plus point, the whole thing was over very quickly. <laughs> 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 like, the whole race that was only 81 minutes long. Like, Yeah, because be- the cars are that fast. <laughs> yeah, Zilberstein is a massive track, but the average speed is through the roof. So, yeah, the whole thing was over in, like, an hour 21. The only race on the calendar that takes quicker to go through, I think, is either Austria and Monza, are the only two ones that they go through faster. Um, so, yeah, basically. Um... So yeah, Lewis wins the British Grand Prix. If we get that one out of the way now, was like Lewis pretty much just curb stomped everybody all weekend, right?
2: Yeah, pretty much the only things that are worth mentioning are championship-related, the championship implications.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we'll get to the reasons why that may or may not have been affected in a minute, but um, yeah, like that was a beat him down by Lewis Hamilton in every sense of the word. His qualifying that was absolutely insane. It's... it's... like Nigel Mansell was the first to remember I speaking of the myth of like if your home race it gives you like two temps like clearly that was in play for Lewis because he was just so much better than everybody else out there it's like it's now getting to a point where it's becoming like death taxes and Lewis Hamilton winning the British Grand Prix which I think he's now done I think four years in a row now King? Yeah. He's won every hybrid era British Grand Prix which is just nuts and we all know like We've got what now? I think it's something like um, 140,000 at Silverstone now for a Grand Prix weekend. And the man was like, like there was the, the great meme that Lewis himself put up on his Instagram of like Botas and Raikkonen who were on the podium now doing the post-race press conference waiting for Lewis to show up. And Lewis was busy outside crowd surfing. Oh my God. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton just owns this place now. It's it, it's it's his circuit now, King. He owns the joint.
2: Yeah, he's he's not he's not gonna show up there and not win.
0: Yeah, just it's it's it just is what it is now. He's part of the furniture. Death taxes. Lewis Hamilton wins at Silverstone. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, just a dominant drive again. We're not saying it's not brilliant. It was just really boring. That's all. It's just. <laughs> It happens. It's motorsport. Sometimes a guy curb stomps you, and it's it happens. You know. Yeah. Uh, the the fun was further down the grid, really. And uh, shout out to another stellar drive from Valtteri Bottas, who had to start in ninth after a not so great qualifying session and a gearbox change. He had to start from ninth on the grid, but he picked his spots, put on some good passes, and finished second, King. Yeah, like. I was impressed by Botas. Like, well, of course and, you were.
2: <laughs> like, he didn't win, but he got second. It's not like earlier in the year where Hamilton would win, Vettel would finish second. Obviously, that's didn't happen for other reasons. But he, he, you know, kept kept you know his head cool,
0: took home second place. Yeah, sometimes it really is as simple as that. Just keep just keep your head in the game. Stay cool. Stay frosty, uh, every other Finnish reference you can think of. And yeah, take take a very nice second place on a weekend where really, you know, you had you, like this was an important weekend for, for Botas' championship aspirations because, he, again, he had to claw back starting from ninth, and he did about as good a job as he could realistically afford to, even with what happened to the Ferraris at the end. Um, a, a great, great job. So uh, yeah, well done, Val, on that one for second place. It wasn't such a good day for the Ferraris, King. No. <laughs> and. <laughs> well, uh, yeah You're yeah, gone, King. Anything that could have gone wrong went wrong. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, King, but it's like. For the first time this season, it felt like Mercs had turned the screw. It, like It felt like Mercs were just genuinely way quicker than Ferrari this, this time round. Like, at least, at least that's mm-hmm. the feeling I got.
2: Yeah, for some reason, like, Mercedes just had everything dialed in for this weekend.
0: Yeah, it, it like, Merck's weekend was almost flawless in the end, while Ferrari never really looked like they were going to really... At the end, King, both Ferraris got late punctures. Yep, like,
2: man, not matching Mercedes' pace was bad, getting punctures during the race even worse getting punctures like at the end of the race that that was pretty much the nail in the coffin for any you know acceptable you know outing for Ferrari at this race
0: Yeah, that was just like the whipped cream on a Sunday made out of shit um, for Ferrari on this one. And yeah, Kimi Räikkönen, who to his credit, I think that was the strongest Räikkönen that I think has looked all season. Like again, solid qualifying, got it on the front row. qualified Vettel, outraced Vettel really, was going to finish a pretty comfortable second place. Um, and then Pop, with five laps to go, Räikkönen's tyre goes out still amazingly finishes on the podium despite the puncher um and the extra pit stop um still finishes third but King I have never seen a guy so miserable to finish a race <laughs> in third yeah i I't I if you, I don't know if you saw Chris Christina's tweet about it where she, he zoomed in on Kimmy's face and you could just see how miserable he looks holding up that third place trophy I have never seen a guy look so so like so, I know it's very Kimmy Ri to say this right now. But he looked genuinely miserable that he finished in third. Yeah, he he looked (laughs) like
2: he knew he could have had more.
0: Yeah, you could just tell. And, you know, Raikkonen still finished in third. Sebastian Vettel had his on the penultimate lap of the race. And eventually finished in seventh place. Um, Which means now there's only one point covering Hamilton and Vettel at the top of the championship. We're now officially halfway through. We're now half of the season with 10 races down out of 20. And, uh, yeah. As it stands right now, there is one point covering Hamilton and Vettel. And no, I'm not going to be internet hipster. I will happily point out, Valtteri Bottas is only 24 behind now. Yeah. So, yeah, Val is within a race at the top. And very quietly, he's gone about his business and looks like an actual contender now. Like, holy crap. <laughs> uh...
2: I wouldn't say actual contender, but he's certainly there. Like if Hamilton and Vettel have a bad day, he is there to take that championship right out of their hands.
0: Yeah. It's looking that way. It's like, he's keeping himself exactly where he should be. And like I said, like any pun, anyone that has, has had doubts over Valtteri getting this seat over the last three races. He's old. He has proven he is more than worth his, his, his money in that Mercedes seat. I mean, the drive from the back to, to second in Baku. The win in Austria and now another ninth to second finish in yeah, in Silverstone. Great drives from Valtteri. He's really looking like he belongs in that team. He's doing a fantastic job. Um, Max Verstappen had to take the extra pit stop um, as a precaution because Red Bull, I think, kind of saw what was going to happen with those tyres and basically said, you know what, it's not worth it, guys. Yeah. Maybe um, got the box Verstappen... They didn't really have much to lose anyway, like maybe an outside shot at a podium, only really because of Raikkonen's tyre puncher anyway, but, um, you know, Maximus solid sort of fourth place, but King, how good was Daniel Ricciardo starting from 19th to finishing fifth?
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo on a drive. Oh dear, like, it didn't look like he had a shot at a podium, but man, to score- finish that high up in the points, that is impressive.
0: I've said it. That was the best I've seen Ricardo drive an F1 car since he got in, since he got that Red Bull seat. Like, and this is a guy that's got five career wins to his name. And I think that was a more impressive drive than any of the wins he's gotten. Yes. Um, that was a very impressive performance from Daniel Ricardo. Was carving people up all through the race. Um, again, nineteenth to fifth, and he had to deal with some difficult situations, given that uh, he was stuck in a lot of traffic, a lot of queues in there behind people like Stoffel Van Dorn and and, you know, guys that were in dirty air, but Ricardo found a way through because he's such a good passer as well. So, yeah, brilliant drive from Daniel on, on that one. Again, very impressive stuff. Um, and probably one of my, my personal favorite radio matches of the weekend as well, where he drives on the grass in the early going and they ask him, How's the card? And Ricardo's response is literally, Fuck knows. Um... <laughs> As he continues driving. It's like, King, I'm trying not to like Daniel Ricardo, but he's becoming impossible not to like. It's really annoying me now. Like, it's not him. Like I always say, it's the bandwagon. It's his fans. Yeah. It's the bandwagon. <laughs> the, the bandwagon annoys the crap out of me, because Ricardo is a really cool dude. But it's just like, I don't want to fall into that bandwagon. It's a terrible bandwagon. But... um. Shut up, my king. I am going to die on this hill, but Nico Holkenberg is great. <laughs> I don't care what you tell me. Holkenberg is awesome, and that was a great sixth place.
2: <laughs> yeah, great sixth place considering the equipment.
0: The equipment, and yeah, again, this wasn't awesome a fluke. Holkenberg was fast all weekend. It was, it was great. He qualified in fifth place after penalties and whatnot. So, again, he was the best of the rest outside of the real big hitters this weekend, which is. Incredible given you know, we they, they beat the Force Indias, beat both Williams, the Hasses were not so great this time round. So, yeah, like very, very like, impressive weekend from Holdenberg to finish in sixth. Again, it's hard to say like just how good that car actually is because his teammate has been. Well, I don't want to say he's been bad, Jolie Palmer, but he's it's more a combination of like some questionable driving and general unluckiness because his car has. Not been the most reliable this season by any measure, and Jody and Palmer's race didn't even start really because uh, of a hydraulic problem on the warm up lap, um, unfortunately, and that was the end of Jody and Palmer's British Grand Prix before it even got started. So yeah, what it was even sadder, King. Like I was seeing from all the F1 YouTubers that were down there, people were cheering for Jody and Palmer like retiring early. Oh my God. British fans are arseholes. I don't care what you tell me here. I'm still salty about Vettel being ch- sarcastically cheered when he was re- when he retired in the 2013 race. And then the, the guys that were booing Vettel in the grandstands after they were interviewing him after qualifying on a Saturday when he qualified third. Like, stop being dicks, all of you. Like, we're better than this. Like, I, I, I do not care how much money you paid for your ticket. Which, let's be real, it was probably a lot of money because it's Silverstone after all. no, 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 no. We're better than this. Stop booing the drivers. Like it is annoying, it's it solves nothing. This isn't pro wrestling. Just 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 stop. It's it's just disrespectful. Enough. I don't care who the driver is. I've said this about Hamilton, Rosberg, Vettel, you name it. I do I do not like booing in this sport on any measure. Please stop. It's really it's really, really stupid. Um one more big thing to come out of that British Grand Prix, uh, King. Toro Rosso. Civil War. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes, it's it's the tale of Carlos Sainz and Daniil Kvyat, because, man, oh, man.
0: <laughs> like, I remember when Kvyat, at the start of this season, said his relationship with Carlos was, all act- was already actually kind of frosty, and this probably didn't help King. It was, it was an opening lap clash. So was, to be fair, it looks like Kvyat has passed um, Sainz going into Beckett's, but he leaves the track, he runs wide, Leaves the track a little bit, has a snap of oversteer, and then turns into Carlos Sainz and takes and takes Sainz out of the race. Kvyat suffers a drive-through penalty as punishment for re-entering the track dangerously, uh, which is one way of putting it, I suppose. Uh, but um, like I remember, Carlos Sainz's radio message said, uh, "Well done." Like he uh, tell Danny he did really well on that one. What, oh my in, God! In his best sarcastic impression. Um, so signs like DNF in on the opening lap. Kvyat uh, goes on to finish in fifteenth place, and um, like King, like instead of Kvyat owning what's happened or even set- making a public apology, he came out and said that the stewards are out to get him, <laughs> and he blames signs. Because he reckons signs turned in on him, like, and he watched the replay. It's just no. Like i like, I'm not, just, not I'm just thinking
2: like. Is Toro gonna have like two new drivers next year?
0: <laughs> I'm starting to wonder because, as we know, Red Bull has sacked guys for less than this, basically. And the way Kvyat's going is like he's trying to burn every bridge he's got left, and right now there's not many, basically. And uh, yeah, he's he's not been driving well at all, um, to say the least. I King is it starting to get to the point where it might be the end for the little Kiviat soon? Yeah. I think
2: I think at Toro it feels that uh Kiviat's gonna get, you know, his pink slip, he's gonna leave and uh, Carlos Sainz is gonna move on.
0: Which is amazing because Kiviat's still only twenty two, which is just that's still a baby in F one terms these days, and even now in the in the age of the millennial driver, it's like Kvyat getting cut at twenty two. Very Algasuara, like he had such an up and down F one career. Given we all saw how good he was when he was a Red Bull, yeah. you know, proving a lot of people wrong when he when he got the seat over Verne, and everyone was like, "No, pick Verne," and then and, and Kvyat was like, "No, watch this, yeah. basically," <laughs> and then beat Ricardo over a season. Um, I, th- I think Kvyat's just gonna be.
2: In his shower, crying with like on blast in the background, uh, Taylor Swift's 22.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, (laughs) it's not come to that, has it? Oh dear, Uh, it's it's a shame because I mean, it, it doesn't help his stock, and it doesn't necessarily help the stock of Carlos Sainz, who's been in the press again this week because, uh. A certain Christian Horner might have changed his tune on the whole Carlos Sainz situation. I mean, we all saw what happened in Austria. Um, Sainz making it clear he wants the factory seat, where Christian Horner and Dr. Marco are to remind him, know your place, peasant. You're driving the Toro <laughs> Rosso next year, um, basically. And then Horner was like, well, we could sell Sainz's contract if the price is right, basically. Um, so the way it's going it looks like Carlos Sainz could be for sale I think it's just basically the nearest admission yet to basically saying well we we kind of know we've buggered Carlos Sainz here and hey we might as well cut our losses recoup a bit of money on his contract and then move on to Gasly by the looks of it um, but King where do you reckon he might end up
2: uh, I don't know there are a lot of you know potential places he could go Uh God, is he old enough to go to Williams? He could go, you know. No. Not old enough to go to Williams, though. Because like, he's, he's, he's 22. Like, if, if Ferrari wanted to do a stupid move, that that's an option. If. Uh, whoa,
0: whoa, him going to Ferrari, you would count that as a stupid move?
2: For Ferrari.
0: <laughs> really?
2: Yeah, like. Yeah, that pretty much discredit their whole Young Driver Academy. If you're like, screw the Academy, we're going to spend a boatload of money to get Carlos Sainz Jr.
0: He's the true prospect king. Um, <laughs> as, as, as Charles the Clerk furiously stares on Twitter and likes more random tweets. Uh, like, <laughs> uh,
2: Mercedes clearly want to keep Botas.
0: Yes. He's all
2: Like, Renault seems like the only like viable choice
0: who are seemingly looking for any excuse to get rid of jody and palmer at this point yeah and if Renault are willing to spend their factory money they'll they'll, they'll take carlos signs instead alongside nico holkenberg and that is actually a, a pretty nice sounding team to <laughs> so have carlos like have nico holkenberg who's just about to enter his 30th birthday soon and Carlos Sainz is the, is the young pretender. That's a very nice-looking Renault factory team. Um, I'd be down for a Renault switch. Um, I wouldn't be completely out of place for a Ferrari switch either, but um, it, it's looking like Charles Leclerc is just too frigging good to ignore it because he won the feature race again at Silverstone. And even though his car was literally falling apart in front of him as the race went on, um, a bunch of engine smoke, You know, part of the car came off altogether. Still wins. Still wins. Because, <laughs> because Charles Leclerc is friggin' OP. Um, I, I just said on Twitter dissolve the class. Like <laughs>
2: First year Formula 2, last year Formula 2.
0: <laughs> dissolve it. Like, listen, Charles Leclerc is beating you all so bad, it's clear none of you need to be an F1. Sorry. I'm like, he's too good, y'all. He's too good. Anything after this is just going to look like an afterthought. Sorry, only Roland. You're, you're shit out of luck this year. <laughs> yeah, if,
2: if anyone out of this current crop of drivers goes to F1 over Charles Leclerc, it makes this ladder look like a joke.
0: A complete joke. And, like, Charles is surely too good not to get an F1. I mean, we, already, we found out yesterday, I think today, that... Uh, He's getting a, a Ferrari test um, right after Hungary, so yeah. during the summer, during the summer break in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so Charles the is getting an F one test as well. Um, so yeah, they, like they're setting it up, they're setting it up, and I wonder if maybe the Haas team will open a door for him, and, which would be a shame because that would probably mean the end of Kevin Magnussen, which like Magnussen's been pretty darn good this season. He beat Grosjean again this this weekend, and like. K Mag's like good, he's just like not quite good enough not to be collateral damage by the looks of it. It's it's I feel bad for K Mag, I really do, because he seems like a really nice guy as well. Yeah. Um and he's a really nice guy, a really solid driver, who again is doing like, he's having his best season in F one with the Haas team right now. At least for me the most impressive looking season he's had, and he's losing all the free practice time to Antonio Giovinazzi and he could lose his seat to Charles Klerk next year. F1 is a cruel and loveless sport sometimes. Sorry, Kevin. Um, you're the fool guy for this. Again, basically. <laughs> like, like, sorry, we had, to, we had to Kirby for Alonso last year. Now we're going to Kirby for Charles Leclerc. Um, maybe. Probably. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's not pretty, to say the least. Uh, and again, I feel a bit bad for Antonio Giovinazzi as well. He looks like chopped liver at this point. It's yeah. Like, it's like, Gio, you were really good last year. Sorry, you're old news. This this up, this Monaco guy is younger, and he might be a bit quicker, which I didn't even think was possible last year. Sorry about that, basically. So, um, yeah, not not fun, to say the least, basically. Um, quick run now that the Formula 1 results before we move on. Lewis Hamilton wins by 14 seconds. Of course, you're all shocked. Kimi Räikkönen in third. Max Verstappen fourth. Ricardo fifth. Hülkenberg sixth top German. Good for him. Sebastian Vell in 7th after the puncher. Esteban Ocon beats Sergio Perez again in 8th in place. So well done Ocon. 8th ahead of Perez in ninth. Felipe Massa gets the last point in 10th. Head of Stoffel Van Dorn. But good job from Stoffel in 11th like given it's a really big power track. Yeah. And um, <coughs> yes, yeah, so 11th for uh, Stoffel is a pretty good result all things considered. Um, K-Mag 12th ahead of his teammate in 13th. Grosjean Marcus Ericsson in fourteenth, ahead of Kivyat in fifteenth, Lance Stroll in sixteenth, Pascal Verline seventeenth, three DNFs as we mentioned. Jody and Palmer for a hydraulic issue on the warm up lap. Carlos signs after being taken out at uh, lap one, and surprise, surprise, Fernando Alonso did not finish with a fuel pressure problem. Oh dear! Somebody pour one out for Fernando at this point. It's like he almost misses Indianapolis at this point, I reckon. <laughs> oh then god! Again, don't,
2: don't stoke that r- rumor mill. <laughs>
0: Like, like, you mean nobody talked about it and coming back to race at Sonoma, King?
2: <laughs> oh my god! That like, while we're here, that is definitely not going to happen.
0: Yeah, because people like at two p.m. on first, two a.m. on Thursday was like, oh yeah, like Nando might race the final round at Sonoma, and I'm like, shut up and go to bed, everybody. Yeah, Seriously, like, why
2: he he wants to win the triple crown? Racing at Sonoma does not like aid him in that goal in any way.
0: No. Stop stop being wishes. That's what you guys you you wish you want Alonso to be there. Wish for Bourdain instead to come back. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's more <laughs> realistic. There you go. See see I come up with alternative solutions to problems. I'm such a good guy. Right. Formula 1 in British land is over for another year. Lewis Hamilton is probably still crowd surfing as we speak and uh, dropping any other conventions. Um Let's get into IndyCar Toronto right after this. A.K.A. SyrupLand. SyrupLand. I'm chugging down this gl- this gorgeous pink lemonade-flavoured snapper, which basically is maple syrup at, at this point. Let's talk about Toronto, and obviously the Honda Indy t- race at Toronto. And, uh, well, King, let's be honest. For IndyCar, this was a bit of a tame one. Yeah, um, very tame. Very tame for IndyCar. Um, there was the some awesome d-
2: overtakes, though.
0: There was some awesome overtakes. I mean the race started with Helio Castroneves making a fantastic double overtaking to turn one from third going free wide into it and then basically bumping Pagino out of the way at turn one and I love that even Simon Pagino after the race said yeah that was a badass move man yeah. <laughs> like,
2: it's like it doesn't like, matter if you break the track record if you have a bad start
0: your race is over <laughs> pretty much because it, it is tricky to pass at Toronto I mean I've got to mention so we did not put it on set this King but how friggin' awesome was watching Spencer Piggott making some of those early oh passes? Oh, my God. He looks like he's been there for years. My man, Spencer. Uh, like our Manchester United brethren. Like, oh hail Spencer Piggott. Like, I'm, I'm, like that was a great, great job. It was ruined, essentially, by a bad set of tyres and an extra pit stop that effectively ruined his race, sadly. But uh, Spencer Piggott was putting on a show out there at Toronto. So many turn seven passes... Just phenomenal stuff from Spencer. Like, again, he's like he'd been there for a, for a decade already. Let alone a guy in just his second season. Great stuff from Spencer. But at the front, uh, it was looking like it was going to be uh, Helio Castroneves, Simon Pagenaud, and Graham Rahal in the fight for the win. Those, according to Graham's words himself, totally not salty. But he <laughs> reckoned those were the three fastest cars that weekend. But two top contenders pretty much had their races ruined immediately, King, because. Uh, not, I can't believe I'm saying this. Scott Dixon fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> huh? What? Uh, you did listen, listeners. You did hear that correctly. Scott Dixon made a mistake. Um, He's human. He is human after all. He can't play basketball and breaking into turn three at Toronto is a bit tricky for him sometimes. Basically, a get yeah, an enormous lockup going into turn three on the opening lap. Um, his car was basically bolted dead the where it was. Um, as a result, like Will Powell had to, had to try and take the d- defensive action at the last minute. Couldn't do it in time. Bangs into the back of Dixon's car and then bounces off the wall. Powell's car, they tried to recover it and repair it so you could just run him out and see if he can get a couple of the points here and there. Couldn't do it. Had to retire the car and that, King, might be the end of Will Powell's title campaign. Yep. Sad days, sad days. Yeah, I think he's sixty-three points off the top now with four races to go. It's gonna be a big ask for Willpower to win the championship from here. Maybe a miracle at Sonoma might might get him into play, but it's looking it's looking hard now given the guys that are in front of him in the championship. More on that later. But there was only just the one caution in the race, it was Tony Canaan. Okay, it was, it was, it was the second, I think it was the second caution in the race, actually. The second one for a proper racing incident, the, the big caution was Canaan coming out of the pits in a very un like mistake, where he just basically just locks the wheels up going into turn one, and then he just goes on and on and on and into the tyre wall. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a very weird looking accident because it just seems like well, that, that, that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, and that brought out the caution. And who was in the pits right when the caution flag came out? Joseph Newgarden. And Newgarden inherited the race lead after the pit stop because he effectively had a free pit stop, got the lead of the race, and just didn't look back from there, really. Um, Newgarden pretty much dominated the whole second half of the race. Alex Rossi behind him was not a threat at all, really, not even until the very end of the race, but even then, that was more down to back markers and traffic. New Garden, I think, still had like 170 seconds in hand um, of push to pass, which goes to just how easy he was taking it out there. Um, Sindrick was hyping up. Oh, guys, he might be close on fuel. And everyone was like, we don't believe you. You need more people, <laughs> uh, basically. But uh, King, a bit jammy, but that's the bed that IndyCar's made itself. And, uh, you know... So sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good here in Toronto, right?
2: Yeah, place it's it's pretty difficult to overtake. So <laughs> it, if we if you get caught out of sequence on pit stops, it could make your race or it could break your race.
0: I mean, we saw it last year. I mean, last year Scott Dixon was comfortably leading the majority of the race, but then the late caution and a pit stop for tires put Will Power to the front, and then Power won a race that. He probably didn't really deserve to win, and Power even Power was like, "Well, you know, you know, sometimes the caution hurts you, sometimes it helps you." And he basically admitted he got lucky, basically. And um, Dick Dixon was so salty about it, he left the track early because he couldn't believe that um, he had been nailed by that late caution, even though Dixon probably knows what's up. Like, if there is one weakness to Scott Dixon, he is a bad loser. Yes. <laughs> He is, a, he is a very bad loser, because it happened again this round, where, like, Dixon had to basically start from the back of the grid again after basically refueling during a closed pit. Had to start from the back, because that's the rules in IndyCar, if you if you pit during a, a, when the pit lane is closed, you have to start from the back, which is what Dixon had to do, and he was salty about it. Free guesses who? <laughs> that's right, it's Emma Davis Dixon, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> It's, it's, so, you know, hooray for, uh, hooray for Emma, who has deleted said tweet since, since it happened. But I was very clever in taking a screenshot because I knew that she was going to delete it later. She, she was tweeting one of her fans and said, I'm kind of happy, though, that Universal are making the film about this year. Then everything gets exposed.
2: <laughs> exposed.
0: Exposed. <laughs> Dixon was screwed. It, it's a conspiracy, King.
2: It's a conspiracy... Like, oh, yellow oh, yellow flags are such a conspiracy, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, such a conspiracy. Like, we can't have this, you guys. Like, a yellow flag nailed Scott Dixon's race. That never happens in IndyCar. Not since, you know, the opening round, which you actually benefited from. But let's not talk about that because it's screwed over James Hitchcliffe! <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah. where where to go, Dixon. Where, where, like... I'm not saying tell your wife to, to to stop tweeting. I'm just saying you might want to read the rule, book before you tweet out about these about these things, because it, it doesn't look good at all. Just saying, but um, King can't argue with Joseph Newgarden, man. That was a dominant performance. His second win in Toronto in three years as well. <laughs> yep, he he was on in Toronto, and man, I can't believe
2: that that what. I think it's New Gardens. What fifth or
0: tenth career win? Fifth. Damn. And that I think Toronto was his. That wasn't that. His, it was his second career win two years ago, and he was still at CFH um, mm-hmm. because he won it. He won at, he won at um, where is it now? Barber. It was Barber. Barber was the first one. So yeah, he's he's won at least one race the last three seasons now, and. Just like that king, he's now right in the mix for the championship. I think he's only like 20 or 2 or 23 points off the top now. So, Newgon's right in the hunt now.
2: Yeah, I think that's like the next big step in his career win a 500 or, or win a, a series title because he, he's already had, you know, multi win season. Like, uh, this is the next step in his career.
0: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And, yeah, Newgon. Uh, the only issue of his weekend was that he almost fell out of his car. <laughs> oh, my God. I
1: was like,
0: well, Joseph, easy, fella. <laughs> the champagne comes later. Um, but, yeah, new garden, brilliant drive. Did what he could. Took advantage of a lucky situation. Broke that bad boy home. Alex Rossi in second. Great drive from him as well. His first podium finish since that magical Indy 500 last year. And it's been coming for Rossi, to be fair, because he's been in and around that top five in a lot of races for the Andretti guys since. And uh, King, like, don't tell Zoe Hamilton this, but like, three Andretti's in the top six. Yeah. Like, what, what, what the hell happened?
2: <laughs> yeah, three out of the four Andretti's in the top six, and you wouldn't believe which one wasn't
0: in the top six. You mean catchphrase Sato?
2: Yeah, like, if you had to say three out of the four Andrettis finished in the top six in a race, you'd probably say Marco was the one not to finish in the top six, but you would be wrong.
0: As my friend Darrell calls him, like, Marco Taxi Driver Andretti, finished in fourth. Um, Great drive from Marco. I, I don't know what lit a fire under Marco's belly again for this round, but... Fourth place. I mean, I've joked, King. You probably had a finish finishing that high up. <laughs> yes. It's. It's. It, I think his last finish that good. I think might have been Detroit last season, where he finished in third. I think in race yeah. one when the rain came down. Um. But uh, yeah, holy crap. Uh, <laughs> Marco, great stuff from him. And as you said, three Andretti's in the top six with Rossi second. Um. Yeah, Rossi second. Marco Andretti fourth, and Ryan hunter Ray in sixth place. Um, Sato down the bottom in 16th so yeah very very weird Andretti placing but hey they're not going to complain about three cars in the top six but but uh, King I mean you talked a little bit about Andretti as well I mean it looks like they could be making the sh- switch to Chevy yeah there
2: are rumours that Michael Andretti has confirmed that they're in talks with uh, Chevrolet in switching over to Chevrolet Power next year
0: ooh interesting because they've been Honda guys for a while, haven't they?
2: Yeah. But, like, things started, you know, to look for the worst when Ganassi moved over to Honda Power this year.
0: Yeah, it's like, you don't really want to be competing against Ganassi on the same engines. And that's... Oh, great, you're going to fight Penske instead. But, hey, there might be one less Penske on the grid next year. That could actually help them. Uh, who knows? But... um yeah like not much more saying that but otherwise, king my man Hinch back to back podiums in Toronto yeah <laughs> home race like also I have to I, I, I have to send a sign that, and again shout out to a uh, friend of the show Zemi Hamilton from obviously from last week we were watching the race together on I and mean, we we, we, called, we watched on the phone together while uh, watching it on my YouTube channel um, you know fire totally legal sources of course and and uh she said like did did you hear the fact that you know you know his girlfriend Becky Dalton, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Did you know that they, they they went to prom together when they were like 16?
2: Yes, yes. So he has told may, me this.
0: Yeah, you might you might have seen the column about this that the other day is like a Hinchcliffe finds love with old prom date and it's the most <laughs> adorable thing. It's like it's like they did it, they only did it as friends apparently because like both of them had a mutual friend that fancied each other. <laughs> It was the weirdest thing, and he said like, "I only asked, I only asked her to go to the problem with me because I didn't want to ask her out on a date instead, <laughs> because he reckoned that was a quote unquote a foolish proposition <laughs> in, in the in the word of James." But uh, apparently, after the, the, the he had his awful crash, um, a couple almost got that was almost two years ago now. Holy shit! Yeah. Um, <laughs> t- t- time flies, man. Uh, after he had his horror crash apparently for a mutual friend like they, they were FaceTiming each other and then they started sending Facebook messages and text messages and they eventually got on a date after he recovered and they've they're now in love it's it's the cutest thing after like <laughs> four like 14 years they were apart from each other and now Becky's made it as an actress in Canada and James is now like one of the biggest stars in the series He's obviously dancing with the stars definitely enhanced his profile a good chunk god damn you laurie hernandez uh, but <laughs> but uh, they're both now legit celebrities and they're right and then they're now dating it's like i read it i was like oh that's the third time i've done that this episode thank <laughs> <laughs> <Dear> god <laughs> i am i'm getting soft in my old age just going oh everything but um you know i was delighted at first. like it means they were ribbing each other because obviously her, her man is Marco Andretti and obviously she was delighted at Marco finishing fourth I was I was delighted at Hinch finishing third and it was just like listen I will take anything great out of Hinch because he is such an asset to IndyCar without even realizing it I mean the mayor on airport podcast is freaking fantastic and I'm so jealous that Hinch is as good as he is on there like he is a legitimate inspiration for me not only as a personality but also as a broadcaster because the guy's got TV written all over him once he hangs up the gloves. <laughs> like he's like made for that sort of Paul Tracy role, only not quite as um vitronic, so to speak, <laughs> as Paul Tracy has a habit of being sometimes because Paul Tracy is well, Paul Tracy. But uh, but I think he's I think he's got TV written all over him once he hangs it up in some capacity. Maybe even as an actor, um, or something, because he's gold and like He's just fantastic, and I'm just delighted for him every time he does well, because it's just great for the series in general. Um, right, enough of me gushing over that, quite frankly. Um, let's, let's have a quick look at the run-out of results. Joseph Newgarden taking the win by just under two seconds in the end from Alex Rossi. James Hinchcliffe third. Nosebleed in fourth. Simon Pagano in fifth. Hunter Ray in sixth. Max Chilton, another great result from Max in seventh place. He was actually quite mad about that one because he lost a whole heap of positions off the start. Yeah. He got, he got caught out on the opening start, lost about six places, um, but still came back well to finish in seventh ahead of you know, the the salty trio of Helio Castroneves, who isn't salty because he's such a nice man, really, <laughs> in eighth place. Graham Rahul, who was salty about basically having his race ruined by that caution in ninth which is still not a bad result, but, you know, Graham Rahal, need I say more? Scott Dixon finishes just into the top 10. And shout-out to Sebastian Savedra. I think that was a pretty solid 11th-place finish for him, taking the number 7 car for the weekend off Michaela Loja, New King, seemingly has been benched by SPM this weekend.
2: Yes, he got replaced with Sebastian Savedra due to, well, pretty much financial difficulties.
0: Yeah, basically, he have been running up too many repair bills recently, Mikhail. Sorry about that. With but like, apparently, according to the rumors, it's just for this weekend. He'll be back for 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 the for the Mid Ohio round, um, in a, in a fortnight's time. Apparently, it was more like a benching than anything else. It's like basically just telling Mikhail to sit down and cool off, think about what you've done, for a bit, basically, and uh, we'll let Savedra take the seat. And hey, Savedra eleventh place, good result for him there, just ahead of uh. De- actually. We, is it decent, is It's still slightly above average, Kimball. I think it's slightly above average does not it?
2: Yeah, slightly above average.
0: <laughs> yeah, slightly above average, Kimball, finishing in a slightly above average 12th. Um, G.I. Hildebrand in 13th, Esteban Gutierrez in 14th. Decent result from him in the Dale Coin car, who I'm not sure he should have been racing, given he was diagnosed with concussion-like symptoms the day before, but... Uh, IndyCar, I, I sincerely hope you were right about letting him run on the Monday morning. Or on the Sunday morning because that was a uh, eyebrow raising decision. I was like, Ooh, are we sure about this? Yeah, um,
2: well well hopefully he did actually get cleared, so
0: Yeah. Well, he was reevaluated on Sunday morning and apparently he was okay. So I don't know what happened overnight where Esteban made a sudden recovery from a concussion where he's able to race, but uh Okay, if, if, if you say so, IndyCar, um, like, I hope you were right on that one. Uh, Carlos Munoz in 15th place, Takuma Sato in 16th, trying desperately to give me back the nickname. Um, <laughs> Connor Daly in 17th, well, being Connor Daly really at this point. Spencer Piggott, whose race was ruined by an extra pit stop in 18th, was but was super entertaining in the process. Tony Kanaan in 19th, who finished two laps down after his t- collision with the tyre barriers on turn one. Ed Jones, who had an engine failure because Dale Coyne is just cursed at this point, really. Like, I'm starting to think that there's some sort of haunted spirit ruining Dale Coin from the inside. It's terrible. <laughs> from even the though inside. It, even though Dale Coyne is, like, even though Jones is having a tremendous rookie season by any measure, um, Jones in 20th and, of course, Will Power, dead last, in 21st, who's race effectively lasted about 30 seconds. (laughs) Poor guy. But, um, yeah, looking at the championship real quick, things are getting interesting, because despite all the carnage, uh, Scott Dixon is back in the lead of the championship um, after Helio's brief run at the top for now. Dixon with a three-point lead over Helio Castroneves. Um, Pagino, who's clawed his way back a little bit, only 19 points off the top. And as we mentioned earlier, Joseph Newgard now just 23 points away on 400. Um, those are your big four now, because it's looking quite distant back to the others now. Willpower is now on 359, which puts him 64 points off Scott Dixon. He might be out of the running. Not, obviously not mathematically, but realistically, he's going to be. He's going to have to claw his way back quite hard in the last four races. Graham Rahal with his home round coming up. In uh, He's also tied with power on 359, but uh, power has to spot on more pole positions. Takuma Sato is 7th on 351. Alex Rossi up to 8th now on 330, ahead of Tony Canaan in 9th on 306. And Hinchcliffe defrones Max Chilton's top 10 berth with his hometown podium on 297, ahead of Chilton's 295. Suck it, Max! Um... <laughs> No, I'm joking, Matt. He's doing a really good job out there. He's doing a really, really good job in all fairness. like I was shocked when I saw that Chilton was in the top 10 last round. I was like, yeah, go Chilton. <laughs> I was like, yay, go him. But um, yeah, so that, that's Jesse top 10 in IndyCar. Looking like we're heading towards a four-way title fight. But uh, a couple of bits of news before we wrap up this week's show, King. Um, it looks like the F1 strategy group's meeting up again.
2: Yep, to discuss a number of things. It's mainly focused at uh, the new set of regulations that are going to come into effect in 2020, where uh, basically the FOM, they're thinking about improving the racing spectacle, and they're thinking about what they can do in the long term, including changing the aero rules.
0: Hmm, now that could be interesting, because we all know that the Arrow is causing a lot of entertainment problems, and we all see all these teams complain about, you know, we want to do more for the show, and then proceed to not do anything about the show, (laughs) so, that could be interesting, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Yeah, there are Um, other
2: things, such as, obviously, about the spectacle of events, which, uh, Is largely down to the timetable of when the events take place, during the day, also tire compounds, obviously this year with basically, uh, the hard tire being non-existent.
0: Well, when we saw it two weeks ago, Pirelli announced that the hard tire will not feature again this season, so... The hard, the hardest of the of the compound tires they bring to week to weekends is dead effectively. Um, they will it will not be used again this season. So every race is going to have at least medium soft, super soft for f- here on in. And we've complained about it numerous times on this show that it just seems to me, at least that, well, if we like the three tire compound thing was one of the better highlights of last season, it just doesn't work on itself because. The, ultra st- the 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 option tire you bring to a weekend is still capable of doing like half race distance, yeah. and that's a problem because it just kills all strategy. I mean, it makes every race a pretty boring one stopper, and that's been the story of the season really. And you know, Britain was really the first race that pushed for twos, and that's only really because Pirelli brought a shit batch along, asked Ferrari, and I mean, Max had to pit. A second stop right at the end of the race, which of course you don't really want to do, if it was more a forced pit stop than anything else, precautionary in case the tire goes pop. So yeah, there's issues there with with those tires getting. Yeah, there are
2: issues, and also uh, FOM they want to in in the regulate well, basically sign an agreement with the teams where the drivers are required to uh, make a certain number of FOM appearances over the course of a year. They say it's going to be somewhere between three and five a year.
0: Ooh, so we're going to have uh, Sebastian Vettel show up at more road safety means.
2: I think it's more of avoiding <laughs> the situation where you say that, you know, all the teams are going to be there. And yes, all the teams are going to be there, but all the teams, except for one particular driver, show up.
0: Oh, so in other words, they don't want another Lewis Hamilton situation. Yeah. Ah. That explains a lot. (laughs) But hey, King, he took a two-day break and he won the British Grand Prix. Who's complaining now? Oh, my God. (laughs) Right? 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 Vindication! I
2: I think Damon Hill said it on Sky's pre-race, where it's like, people are going to remember who won the British Grand Prix this year. They're not going to remember that Lewis missed a live event in London.
0: Damon Hill. Like, that was actually kind of rational from him. Hey! Anything else on that on that You good details, King. Besides that, you know the possibility of sprint races on Saturday because weekend format.
2: No, not really. Like weekend timetable, it doesn't really say anything about format. And obviously, head protection was on the agenda. And there, it might be a thing for 2018. Like they're thinking about it. The shield.
0: The shield. Um, no Dean Ambrose. But, um... <laughs> no Dean Ambrose. But, uh, yeah, we saw the running of the Shield in FP1. Sebastian Vettel gave it a run, and initial reports were not positive because they forgot the one big oversight of having a curved piece of glass on the front of your car. It makes shit blurry.
2: <sighs> yeah, I mean, it distorts things. Just, like, try to look at the world through, a, like, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, a drinking glass. Like, it's not going to work.
0: That's why glasses exist. But um, yeah, it's like back to the drawing board basically because yeah, it, it basically blurred Sebastian's vision and that was not good. So yeah, it, like again, like I think teams and drivers were quite fond of the idea. I remember, again, we mentioned it last week. IndyCar seems to like that sort of design and it looks like they're very keen to have it maybe as early as next season. And F1. Not so sure on that one yet. Uh, Going to need a bit more work, it seems. But uh, oh, and apparently Red Bull were real mad they didn't get enough credit for designing the thing in the first place. Apparently, really <laughs> because because Red Bull are petty.
2: <laughs> no one knows who designed the Hans device, so
0: like <laughs> it's like Red Bull, you're just petty. That is, it's it's just, it's just pettiness right here. But um, yeah, Shield looks nice enough, but not practical yet. More soon on that one. But, uh, King, are we done here? I yeah, we done here. I-, I believe so. I believe that we are so done. Like, we didn't go two hours, King. We, d- we didn't?
2: Oh, yeah, no. we don't have a mailbag, so...
0: Mm. I thought we would be so loaded that the mailbag would not be required on this one. But, should we tell them, we tell them about next week's show, King? Because, uh, basically, yes. we're kind of buggered here because, well... There's nothing on next weekend. Not really. No WEC. No F1. No MotoGP. They've still got three weeks to go until their their summer break. Um, no F1. You know, no Formula Re Obviously, um, they normally give it about three months between races these days. But um, yeah, we got nothing next weekend. Let me so- see. Let, let me check the
2: uh, motorsport calendar to see if there's anything next week.
0: I know there's actually British Superbikes at Brands Hatch, but that's about it as far as I know. Uh, yeah, well, that's like, not really this show, so. No, no, not really. Um, not 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 on this occasion, sadly. Sadly, I won't be going to this one. Uh, I like. I know Johnson has a habit of knocking me tickets, but I can't get that Sunday off work. It's really annoying. I've got to close my shop. Um, for certain, <laughs> okay. you know.
2: I think. <laughs> yeah, NASCAR's having their least entertaining race of the year. Which one's that? Uh, the Brickyard 400.
0: Oh no, (laughs) not Indianapolis. (laughs) And,
2: yep. American sports cars are going to Lime Rock Park in Connecticut.
0: Eh.
2: Well, it's basically like a bull ring. I think it's like just a little over like a mile long.
0: (laughs) We're we're pushing it here, King.
2: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much nothing. Like, maybe, like, if the fans really want us to watch something, maybe you could watch a classic race but, like, you, like, the fans would have to get together and somehow all collectively agree on one race.
0: Yay, let's rewatch Italy 2008! Yeah! <laughs> no. no? How dare you, all of you. <laughs> this is not a democracy. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, we have a plan. The plan is, we have no plan. Uh, we are going to do something we've never done before on this show, where we've we've not had a set list before. Like, like, every episode we have a set list, we have a list of things to get through we're on the show. We have a rough idea of how the, the path our show is going to take. Next week, we're throwing out the script. We are going to basically just turn our microphones on and let it roll. And the reason why is because... Like, for those guys that don't know a little bit about behind the scenes of Motorsport on for you, we often chat for like a good 45 minutes to an hour before we actually even start recording this, this show. And some of our best stuff never actually makes it onto the air, funnily enough. So, next time round, we're actually just going to sit down and shoot the shit, basically. And, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see how much, <laughs> we'll see how much Lewis has to remove next week. <laughs> basically, <laughs> Because people that know me well know that I can be pretty unfiltered sometimes, if I'm being honest. And uh, that's always fun. So yeah, Motorsport 101, unscripted, probably unfiltered, next week. That sounds like fun. Oh, and stick around. We do actually have a a set plan for episode 100 now. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned for August. Uh, More on that soon. But uh, a quick word out before we go. Again, we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101, at Harrison101HD, and at Ryan Eric King on Twitter. And if you really like us, you can back us on Patreon, patreon patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Keep an eye on the website, motorsport101.net. A lot of written stuff coming up in the next few days after I send my PC in for repairs, because, goddammit, my on button seems to be screwed. Um... (laughs) Thanks a lot, Johnson, for sending me a crappy case. Uh, <laughs> it's all your fault, Johnson. I know you're listening to us. Uh, but um, on that note, I will take my saltiness off the air. But uh, until next time, I've been Andre Harrison. He's been Ryan King. Thank you very much for listening. I will catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Bye. Bye.
2: I believe you are the world champion!
0: Are we sure next week's a good idea, King? Nah,
2: it was your idea. I'm not saying anything.
0: You love this, really, King. Nah. <laughs> nah. Like King's the sort of guy that clearly like structure in his life, like he like he names all these toothbrushes (laughs) and and, and, like lines them up against the wall like James May out of Top Gear. Why would I need (sighs) multiple toothbrushes? I don't know. You seem like that sort of anarax or the dude King.